When it comes to the debate over New York's bottle deposit laws, much of the conversation revolves around the amount of the deposit fee charged at the point of purchase and the types of drinks covered by a deposit fee. But amid this stagnant debate, there may be a more pressing concern for the industry, the survival of redemption centers where New Yorkers can actually return their cans and bottles to recover their deposits. For more on the issue, including legislation changing the handling fees for bottle redemption businesses, we're joined on the Capitol Press Room by Jade Eddy, owner of MT Returnables in the Southern Adirondacks. Welcome to the show, Jade. Hi, thank you for having me. It's our pleasure. And also zooming in with us is Assemblymember Carrie Werner, a Capital Region Democrat. Welcome back to the program, Assemblymember. Thank you, David. I am delighted to be here. Our pleasure. So, Jade, can you explain to us what your business does and how, in theory, the business model should work? So we take in at redemption centers. We're not limited on what we can take. We take in all New York State returnable containers. Consumers like that because it's a one-stop shop situation and it makes their lives easier um, and it's a lot faster. Honestly, I would consider us the foundation to the recycling system in New York State, and uh, the foundation is crumbling right now due to state legislature failing us year after year. Well, how do you actually go about making your money? I understand as a consumer that when I buy, say, a soda and then bring it back to a deposit facility, I, I pay five, five cents extra and then I get five cents back. Where does yeah. your money come into this process? So we get paid the same exact way that the grocery stores and convenience stores do. We get paid what's called a handling fee. So the consumer gets a deposit, which is five cents. And on the back end, we get what's called a handling fee, which is only three and a half cents. And it's been that rate since 2008. So technically, when we get paid, we get paid eight and a half cents, but we already paid out that five cent deposit. So what we are left with is three and a half cents per container to work with. And how financially viable is this model right now based on your costs and, like you said, that three and a half cents? I've been in this business since 2005. It used to be very sustainable. Unfortunately, now, due to the circumstances, it's not sustainable anymore. And it's not due to lack of business or volume. It's solely due to the fact that the state has raised our expenses significantly over the last 15 years, but they've refused to also raise our pay along with that. And unlike other businesses, we don't have the power to help ourselves. We don't have products or services that we put prices on that we can adjust to accommodate rising costs. We literally have to rely on state legislators to do their part to help us maintain those expenses. Well, Assemblymember, why should the general population care about the future of redemption centers? So redemption centers are the foundation of our recycling system. Um, without redemption centers, we really don't have a recycling uh, system. So it's critical that these small local businesses be sustained because they are where people go to recycle their bottles and cans. Yes, they can go to the, the machines at the Hannaford or the Price Chopper or the ShopRite, but that works if you have a relatively small number of bottles and cans. And it works if you've got a local price chopper that has, or Hannaford, that has a bottle return um, machine. But most people use these redemption centers in their local community. 
and they're owned by local people who contribute to the to the Boy Scouts, who contribute to the, the Little League teams, and they provide a valuable service to our community. Um, and that's why we should care about it, because if we don't have them, uh, we're going to the system's going to fall apart and protecting these small businesses, which are really good parts of our local economy, um, should be important to everybody. Well, Assembly Member, you carry legislation designed to provide some stability to the industry. How would your legislation go about doing that? One of the questions people often ask is, is how, where does the handling fee come from? If you buy a can and you pay five cents and then you return that can and you get the five cents, where does the extra handling fee come from? Well, it comes from the unclaimed deposit. So while many of us are pretty good about bringing our cans and bottles back to be redeemed, there's a good number of people who don't do it. So out of the unredeemed deposits is how the handling fee gets paid. And the distributors, so the beverage centers, the distributors that, that sell these products at wholesale, they are what's called the deposit initiator. So mm -hmm. they get the five cents that you that you pay in. And they are required to pay back to the Commissioner of Tax and Finance 80% of the balance of their fund. So what my bill does is it says, listen, here's what we're going to do. We're going to increase from three and a half cents to five cents, the handling fee. And we're going to reduce the amount that the distributor has to, the bottle, the deposit initiator has to pay back to the state from 80% to 47% of their balance. So that means that the state is going to get less money to work with for other environmental issues, but they're going to stay, it's going to stabilize this foundation of our recycling system. And it's not going to cost the consumers any additional money, but it is going to ensure that these local businesses, which hire local people, which contribute to the community in many ways, are able to, to be sustained. Since 2008, so for the last 15 years, we've lost 52% of our redemption centers. 52% of redemption centers have gone out of business in the last 15 years. This is, this is a system that is absolutely crumbling. And businesses like Jade's, it is no small feat that they have been able to survive. Um, and, and, and we can't risk losing more of these because as I said, it's the foundation of the system. Well, Jade, this legislative fix, should we think of this as a temporary band-aid to a dire situation, or is this a forever solution that would set your industry on a path of future financial stability? So right now we're in crisis. That's the word I'm using because that's the level of danger that we've been put in as a whole industry. I've talked to business owners who own 16, 20 locations they process over 100 million containers. And even those businesses are on the verge of closing. And it's simply because we don't have the operating money to maintain these expenses. So this particular legislation would be the immediate fix that we need, but we are forming a coalition now and moving forward. The bill needs a lot of work. We need to not go another 15 years without this being addressed. We need to either tie our rate of pay to inflation, or it needs to be written in the law that this has to be addressed at least every three to four years. Because as we've all seen with the pandemic in the last three years, 
everybody's expenses on everything in their lives has gone up. And that is no different for us. Only we are being hit on both ends. We're being hit in our businesses and in our homes with both expenses rising. So we are in a terrible position right now. So this would definitely save us so that we can go fight in the long run. There's a lot to be done still, unfortunately. Yeah, you know, David, like there are many categories of businesses that are um, basically captive to the state. Their revenue is 100% driven by state policy and regulation and, and, and their costs are as well. So the wage rates have increased significantly since 2008, but the handling fee has not. So, and there's a, you know, some businesses can make up on volume what they lack in margin, but this is, this is not that kind of a business. This is all, this is all labor and it's not, it's, there's no automation. And if you've never been to a redemption center, on a busy day and seeing how these folks work, uh, it's quite it's quite eye-opening to see the amount of uh, coordinated labor that goes into this. And and when you when you think about how they are 100% dependent on the state um, for revenue and 100% dictated, their costs are 100% dictated by the state. Um, you you come to understand why it's important that we make this immediate fix and that we develop a long-term plan for ensuring their financial stability. So Jade, I'm curious, what are the obstacles facing the adoption of this language or this legislation in particular, aside from say the status quo in Albany? Are, are you also facing some sort of backlash from beverage retailers who might also operate redemption centers and would like to see you go out of business so that uh, they can bring in additional customers who need to come to redeem their deposits? Or, or is there someone else who might be opposed? What's the landscape look like? I've been talking with the representatives of these organizations for convenience stores and uh, grocery stores. They don't want them at all. That's the part that nobody's getting in the legislature. These businesses make their money off of selling products and gas and whatnot at the convenience stores. This is a, it's a hassle for them. And so I've been working with these organizations actually to get this passed because they're terrified that if redemption centers continue to close, they are going to be even more overwhelmed than they are already. And I've recently learned that a lot of these places are paying the consumer because they're legally required to, but they are then throwing the containers in their dumpsters because they don't have the space to hold onto the containers. And the $7 billion company that picks us all up hasn't been picking them up. And they're having issues with rodents and all sorts of things due to just the system being broken and leaving them in this position. And after a quick break, we'll continue our conversation about the plight of the state's bottle redemption centers with Jade Eddy, owner of MT Returnables in Queensbury, and Assemblymember Kerry Werner, a Capital Region Democrat.
Support for the Capitol Press Room provided by the New York State AFL-CIO, a federation of 3,000 unions fighting for working people by keeping New York State union strong. Visit unionstrongny.org for more information. For listeners just joining us, we're continuing our conversation about the future financial viability of the state's bottle redemption centers. And our guests are Jade Eddy, owner of MT Returnables in the Southern Adirondacks, and Assemblymember Kerry Werner, a Capital Region Democrat. And before the break, we were talking about the possibility of opposition to legislation designed to ensure the financial livelihood of bottle redemption centers in New York. There's not a competition here for redeeming bottles and cans. The opposition to the bill comes from two sources. One is that it gets wrapped up in the desire to expand the bottle bill and make it bigger and better. And that that, you know, that conversation, which is a big and a long and a complex conversation with a lot Mm -hmm. of stakeholders, it gets caught up in that. And this piece doesn't get the attention that it deserves. And that's one of the reasons why my bill just focuses on the issue of the handling fee and the redemption centers. But the second piece of opposition, which is a challenging piece because we need to understand the data around this and it's hard to find the data. There is anecdotal evidence that within the redemption system, there is significant fraud going on. And so the distributors who are the deposit initiators, they claim to be running a deficit in their account. They don't have the surplus, they they run a deficit because their bottles and cans are over-redeemed. What does that mean? So if you are a distributor, for example, that sells Budweiser, they are having to pay out handling fees in excess of the number of cans they have actually sold. They are claiming there are crime rings, if you will, that are collecting bottles and cans in other states and bringing them into New York and redeeming them in New York. And that the the redemption centers are not catching the fact that these are not New York bottles and cans. And so the distributors are having to pay out more than they they take in. I have not seen any data to substantiate this, but I have been told this a number of times and, and this is part of where the objections are coming from. So we're working on trying to find a source of data that can, can substantiate that and maybe in, in substantiating it, provide us with some insights into how to fix that problem if it does exist. Because this is an important part of our environmental systems, the whole recycling system. And if the redemption centers go out of business for want of an increase of a penny and a half, that's going to create much larger problems. So we have to fix this problem and and I'm trying to overcome the objections that that I'm hearing. Uh, But I think that, you know, once we overcome those, the bigger problem is that it it just inside the legislature gets caught up in the in the bigger battle bottle bill initiatives and and we need to pull it out and focus on this so that we don't lose the redemption centers. Well, Jade, I'm sure you're not unfamiliar with that concern raised by the distributors. So is there some sort of oversight or accountability measure that could be worked into this type of legislation or accompanying legislation to assuage fears, real or not, uh, about fraud in the system? 
these companies have to make it easier for us to spot things that came from out of state if they want us to be able to do that. Because I processed over three and a half million containers last year. In order for us to do that, we've got to be hustling to get through the day. That's why our customers come to us. They're looking for speed and efficiency. And if we have to look at every individual container, we we are losing time. But also a lot of these containers do say New York on them, but we don't know if they were purchased in a different state. We don't know. How are we going to know that on, on our end of things? Um, Nestle actually is far ahead of a lot of the beverage distributors. They have a red ring on their labels for the bottles that were sold in states that do not have a deposit. So that is something that we can see visually and it just immediately clicks, that one's not good. And we can toss it to the side. So if, the, if that's a concern for the distributors, then they need to follow suit with Nestle and put something on those out of state containers visually and clearly dis giving them a distinction from what is good and what is bad so that we know and then we can do our jobs efficiently and continue doing what we do. Well, as we've mentioned repeatedly, this conversation is maybe the more pressing one, but the one that's getting more noise in the Capitol has to do with expanding the existing bottle bill. So I'm curious, Jade, what you think about legislation that would increase the deposit consumers pay from five cents to 10 cents and would expand the types of beverages uh, that require a, a deposit. Are you agnostic about something like this? Does it impact your business in a meaningful way for good or, or bad? What do you think? As both a business owner and somebody who considers herself an environmentalist, I fully support expanding the bottle bill. First of all, business-wise, our businesses are volume-based. So if you make these things returnable, our business increases and that's beneficial to us. But second of all, if you make these things returnable, less of it is going into the trash. So environmentally speaking, it is a significant improvement. I've been open long enough. I can tell you that expanding it does work. Before 2008, water bottles were not returnable in New York State. And now that they are, that accounts for probably half of my plastic. So once that incentive is there, it does motivate people to not throw them in the trash and actually recycle them. The thing is, all of us business owners, we support this, but A, we need to be saved first, which is why we're focused on the handling fee, because none of this is going to matter if the state truly wants to expand the bottle bill, they have to step in now and save us. Because if they don't, where are all those containers going to go? I don't think that they understand the convenience stores and the grocery stores. They have a $12 limit for every single customer. They only have to take what they sell. They're already overwhelmed under the current system. So if we go away, it's going to be a complete nightmare everything is going to collapse. So step one, save us. Step two, we want to be able to address a bigger, better bottle bill. And I, I talked with legislators over the last three months, and it scared me, honestly, to come to the realization how clueless the people who are writing the laws are. Carrie, Carrie came and talked to me, so I'm going to give this woman credit. She just showed up at my shop one day, and I was ecstatic to see somebody who wasn't called and asked to come. She just showed up to ask me what I needed, and 
I've not experienced anything like that with any politician. So kudos to Carrie. <laughs> but these other politicians, they're saying we want to expand these containers. We want to uh, increase the deposit, make it double. They were literally going to try to do this all at once. And I'm like, if you do that at once, we're all out of business on day one. We have to have an increased handling fee so that we can get extra funds in our accounts to be prepared for paying out double on deposits. If you make us pay out double immediately on deposits, we are out of business. And so it's more complicated than just wanting to do these changes. You have to think about how to implement them in a smart way so that everybody can handle it and it works. So I'm trying to deal with legislators and, and they've thanked me for being as pushy as I have been and helping them understand things better because they didn't know. And, and the thing is, I didn't know anything about this industry until I got in it. So it's, it's no fault of anybody's, but uh, yeah, there is a lot of work to do. I'm just scared that we need to do it the right way. Well, unfortunately, that's all the time we have today. My thanks to Jade Eddy, owner of MT Returnables in Queensbury. Thank you so much, Jade. Thank you. And thank you, as always, to Assemblymember Carrie Werner, a Capital Region Democrat. Appreciate it, Carrie. My pleasure. Thank you, David. Support for Capital Press Room provided by the William G. Pomeroy Foundation. Communities across the Empire State have stories to tell. A roadside marker funded by the William G. Pomeroy Foundation can help your town or city educate the public, encourage pride of place, and promote local tourism. More about the Pomeroy Foundation's New York State Historic Marker Grant Program for 501c3 organizations, nonprofit academic institutions, and local state and federal government entities at wgpfoundation.org.